Good morning. I don't know if you read those words. <clears throat> they choke me up every time I hear that song. To me, that might be right now, at this time, my favorite song. Um, if you ever get a chance, it's called So Will I, and it just takes you through the journey of what Christ did from creation to salvation. It's beautiful, poetic. Before we start, I want to say thanks. I want to say thanks to the school and our teachers, the ministry, the hours that they have poured. If you understand what goes into a Christian school, an Adventist Christian school, the face time that these teachers get with our kids compared to the FaceTime I get from the pulpit, the FaceTime you get with them at church, they exponentially impact their life. And I believe that Christian school is the reason why my kids love Jesus. Hopefully somewhat because of what they see at home too. But, but I just want to thank our teachers. I also want to thank this church this church has been a grace-filled church that has loved my family. I don't take that lightly. Because I have known, and you know, that there are churches out there that have not been as gracious with people. But here, I believe the Spirit of the Lord has done and is doing and will do greater things in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that. I want to say this all before because it's a little bit harder at the end, especially if you guys are waiting for the blessing at the end, right? <laughs> the last blessing, at least in Hebrew. You got to make sure. Search committee, make sure they know some Hebrew. <laughs> and this might be the last time somebody up front sings this to introduce their sermon, but fitting at Christmas time. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, praise and honor and glory be to you. We thank you that there will be a reunion that will never end. We look forward to that day when you return and there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, and pain. The day when we are reunited, the day that we can fall physically before your feet and worship you, the day that we never have to say goodbye again. Lord, Inspire us, empower us to love the people around us, to love this community. And may Jesus Christ be lifted up and all people be drawn to him. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you've been here, you know that we are at the end of James also. The book of James 
the one that some people have loved and some people have hated. But if you really understand James, it truly is a great book that becomes full circle. But before we get to that, I want you to see the next slide here. For years and years and centuries, they didn't have email <laughs> and texting. <clears throat> you had to use your hand to write with ink. And these things called letters, not the letters of the alphabet, but these letters were sent by a thing called the post office. And even before then, you just had people that would sort of deliver this mail. And it didn't come instantaneously. And if you've ever watched our president that just passed away, some of the interviews that George H.W. Bush said, that he had sent and were sent to him by Barbara Bush, his wife, you would understand how much he treasured letters. He talks about it actually in contrast at times to the internet. And he said, when I was in during the war in like 1944, some of the letters, all he could wait for and he anticipated was to hear his name during the mail call. Bush. And when he did, he said this anticipation, the excitement would be almost body-encompassing. The anticipation that came through the patience, I will see her again. You know, now I don't know if my wife knows this. I, I might have told her this, but, but I remember my first love letter, and it was not from Anna. My first love letter, I was eight years old. And I had met an older woman. She was 10. <laughs> I was visiting my uncle and aunt and, and, and family cousins in, uh, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And this older girl and I, I'd say young lady, Sort of caught each other's eye, probably played a little bit. I actually remember we went to Opryland Hotel, and there's, if you've ever been there, there's a big like garden, arboretum, whatever area, and we, we ran around and, you know, probably played tag. And I think I was in love. <laughs> and she was Filipino. <laughs> So maybe everybody out there was like, oh, these, you know, Filipino kids, well, half Filipino, full Filipino, will end up together. And we, as we're saying goodbye, you know, I know, I, I don't know if I cried. I'm sure I didn't, you know. <laughs> but I'm sure she did. <laughs> and we thought, when will we see each other again? Hopefully in about a week. When can we call? But remember, at, those, at that time in the, in the early 80s, 
Long distance was very expensive. And so my parents said, maybe you can call once a month. My heart will break. But she said, before I left, I will write you. And I remember the first letter that came in, because she did write me. And there was something different about this letter. There was perfume on the letter. (laughs) She had sprayed the letter with perfume, forever cementing our young love. I'm in love with my wife. (laughs) But it's ironic that patience was a part of life. Something we've lost. We no longer have patience. I heard one amen. We no longer have patience. And that goes for all of us. I don't care what age you are. While you are standing in line or while you are waiting for something, it is hard. I hate 4G now, but do you remember? Now I'm ready for 5G internet. I'm ready for something to happen. I'm ready for something to come to me before I even order it. I want them to read my mind. (laughs) That's how impatient I am. And this happens. And maybe it's fitting then, the last verses of James, because he says to them, so if you go to James chapter 5, and we're not going to start with verse 1, we're going to start with verse 7. And the command to the church was, be Patient, then brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. That's a long time to be patient. He says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how a farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and now how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. Now it's not just be patient, he says stand firm also because the Lord's coming is what? Is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Full circle. If you remember how James started, he says, Consider it all joy. If you have gone through trials, consider it joy. Consider it joy if you persevere. It will build more perseverance. Actually, the text says this. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Full circle. Remember, things actually might get bad. But be of good cheer, as it says in John chapter 16. I have overcome the world. And I am coming soon. That's what James is saying. Be patient, because he is coming soon, and he is going to rise up and say, Satan, no more. You have bullied enough. I will rise up, and I win. That is what the book of Revelation, if, if I had that, the theme of Revelation in two words is God wins. It will look like he is getting kicked and beaten and Satan is winning because you see death, sorrow, crying, and pain. But God will eventually rise up and say, enough is enough. I win and I am taking my children home. And why is this? It says in verse 11, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, this word where it says full of compassion is actually one Greek word, but it comes from, you know, I'm going to say the Hebrew, <laughs> racham. Can you say racham? Racham. Racham, my disciples. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> racham. Do you know the, the root word racham also is the root to rachem, which means the womb. See, the root of emotion or the foundation of emotion in the Hebrew mindset is in the bowels, in the womb, is in from the very gut. It consumes us. It is like loving a child, the love of a mother to the child that consumes them, that worries them at one o'clock at night when they are not home yet. This is the root of racham, to be compassionate. What this word is sort of saying is that God is ever consumed with taking care of his kids. So be patient and don't worry because if he's that consumed with you, he will not allow something that will destroy you. It doesn't mean that there won't be bad things or that people will leave and go to California. What it means is in the end, I win. In the end, we will be reunited. In the end... Life will be eternal. That is gospel. But he says this, that's not the only thing. Not the only thing is that I'm coming soon and I'm going to put an end to this. There's actually something you can do now. You don't just have to persevere. You don't just have to suffer and take it and die. Because some Christians believe that. Well, I just got to endure this. 
and I'll die, and then I'll have eternal happiness. But I've got to really grit and bear this until that time. No, he says this in verse 13. Is there any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is there anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is there any one of you sick? He, and you know that it's he or she, right? It's not a he or she should call the elders of the church and they will pray over that person and to anoint him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the, person, the sick person well. The Lord will raise that person up. If he or she has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Can I get an amen about that? Amen. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And guess what? It didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. And I think why he says he was a man just like you and me is if you read the next chapter, it says one woman said, I'm going to get you. And he goes and cries and says, I wish I were never born. He lacked faith at times, but he changed the world around him at others. What James is saying is you will have trials and it will make you a stronger person, but don't just lay there and take it. You have power. Do you understand? I should have gotten an amen. You have power. Amen. You have power accessible to you through prayer. Prayer changes things. Amen. Right. Prayer changes things. I mean, if you think about this story of Elijah, and he didn't have to cut himself or do all the other stuff that the prophets of Baal were doing. He just says, Lord, reveal yourself. And then after that, it says the, 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 the fire, which I believe was lightning, because, because Baal was the god of thunder, lightning, and rain, consumed. It says it, it actually uses the words like eating language. It says it, it devours it, and then it licked up the water. And then he, after that, after they eliminate some people, <laughs> he starts praying. He says, bring the rain. And... I think there's an allusion to this also because he sends out his servant and it starts raining, right? No. So he goes, uh-oh, let's pray again. Please send the rain. And the second time, no. One more time. Come on, three times a charm. He sends him out. No. And then the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, I see something. It's this little tiny cloud about this big coming in the sky. And there was a rain. A rain to reveal how powerful God is. A rain to say, I have you in my heart. And this is what James is saying. Prayer changes. 
But it doesn't just change your outside, it changes your inside too. Parents, if you have a child, if you have a child, you do have a child if you're a parent, but if you have a child that you know is not walking with the Lord, that you know is in a tough time, that you know whatever is happening, I want you to know that prayer works. I believe that I am here. If you knew me before and know where I am now, I am here because my parents prayed for me. Don't ever give up on that child. Don't ever stop praying, no matter how old you are, no matter how old they are. Because prayer changes things from the inside out. Because here he says, if you're sick, Call the elders, anoint, and prayer changes it. And not just anointing because it changes their physical health. It said it also is forgiveness of sins. This is transformative. And that's what we're about. Now, I do want to just take one side note here because some people have had issue with James when it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray. And they're like, well, I don't want to confess my sins or it's dangerous to confess your sins. And I think that there is some merit in that saying. But if you understand the Greek idea, well, the Hebrew idea from the Greek word, homo logeo. Homo means same. Logeo means speech. The word confess means acknowledge, to say the same thing. Acknowledge your helplessness to each other. I'm struggling. I need your prayers. That's good. The problem is, a lot of times we don't do that. I don't trust you enough to deal with my hurts. And maybe there's reason for that at times. Because maybe we have taken that hurt and not been really appropriate with it. But it should be that we can... Okay, we're in this together. You hurt means I hurt. So let's pray. And the word confess is sort of like the 12-step program. I acknowledge. I acknowledge I'm an alcoholic. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. And I need a church that will lift me up. And that's where he is. That's what James says. And James sort of ends this way. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring, back that, bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Ultimately, what's important is that I get to see you all in the kingdom. That is ultimate. That is the ultimate change. I honestly, for my kids and yours, I got to say this right, I could really care very little about how they end up 
professionally, academically. All I care about is that when Jesus comes, they're there. That's all I care about with you. That's why I do what I do. Is because all I care about is that you are there and I am there. And then she is there and he is there. She, he, that's it. So if there's somebody that is straight and somebody brings them back, that is worth the ultimate gift. 